You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week we are scratching The Itch to talk about a bunch of bands. Lots of times we've been doing them one at a time. Every once in a while we just get a big old batch of them together and we talk about how mostly great they are. We're not spending a whole lot of time talking about albums that suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't talk about albums that suck. Um, we make fun of them, but we won't uh, elaborate on it. But, um, <laughs> no, it, you know, this gives us a good opportunity to talk about some albums that came out earlier this year that we haven't really had a chance to go over or express our opinion on, but definitely felt that deserved uh, time on our show. Yeah, doing two interviews kind of threw a wrench in some of those plans, but that's what Rapid Fire Reviews are for. It's a good wrench, though. That's right. <laughs> that wrench can be thrown in my plan any fucking day, all right? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Well, we, <laughs> we're going to keep we're going to keep barking up that tree and then see how many wrenches we can find. Uh, <laughs> just inter- interviews are fun. <laughs> so this show we're going to each go over a different album that kind of spoke to us in different ways, um, more so than it might have spoke to the others in or on the podcast. Uh, so today Aaron's going to start us off with the brand new Teenage Wrist album called Earth is a Black Hole. That's right. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> I like to think that that part of what these episodes are is us sort of trying to sell each other on these albums, tell each other and the listener. And so we're going to see if we can if we can sort of do that. Yeah. So Teenage Wrist, we talked about them last season. They were my pick for the album I was most looking forward to in 2021 of all the ones that had been announced to that point. And uh, I'll give a little bit of background here, but I got to say that I am not at all disappointed in that selection. And I, I stand by it as one that was worth looking forward to. So um, Teenage Wrist is a band I discovered in uh, 2018 or 2019 uh, through Spotify, I believe. They introduced me to a number of singles like uh, Chrome Neon Jesus, Dweeb, and Swallow. And, and I was hooked on this band. They had a sound that, threw back kind of to the nineties, but with sort of some great distortion. And I, I really appreciated it. Uh, they're named after a song called teenage wristband, which is by a band called the twilight singers for a little bonus, uh, bit of info for them. This is actually only their second album. Uh, they signed with epitaph, a notable, mostly punk label before releasing their first album, uh, Chrome Neon Jesus in 2018. So they don't have that much out there. Their entire discography or like, you know, track listing is um, 30 songs, something like that, maybe. But man, they're they're good, though. <laughs> and and the interesting story, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, of this band is that they were originally a three piece. Uh, they had a vocalist and bassist was a guy named um, Cam, Cam Mohager. Actually, I could be mispronouncing his last name, but we're going to say that's what it is. And I apologize. Who is more well known as the man behind the indie electronic band, the Chain Gang of 1974. Not something the itch is really into, but something that is known in the indie world. So last year, Cam left the band and we've had discussions on previous episodes about how difficult it is to recover from losing a vocalist, particularly a vocalist. But these guys, they kind of just carried on like nothing happened. (laughs) Their guitarist, uh, a guy named Marshall Gallagher, he stepped into the vocalist role. He wrote the tracks Yellow Belly and Wear You Down. And um, those got a good enough reaction from Anthony Salazar, the drummer, and the other people who were, you know, kind of responsible for this band's well-being. Good enough response from them that they just moved right into their next chapter. Said, okay, Marshall's our guitarist and now also our vocalist. His vocal style is similar enough to Cam that I found it to be a smooth transition, but it's not identical. Cam is very breathy and soft, and Marshall goes there, but sometimes he also has the ability to get a lot louder. I want to give you guys a chance to chime in, but I also want to give the listeners a concise description of what I think this band sounds like. I think the best way to put it is, to (laughs) me, this band is if Jim Blossoms and Jimmy Eat World merged and then became a grunge band. <laughs> that's what they sound like to me. <laughs> I, I have to show you this. That it, That's really hilarious. I have to show you this. So 
uh, on my notes, and I have it written right here, um, and you can you can probably see it uh, right there. I, Gen uh, Blossom. Uh, I actually said, said they, were, they sounded like Gen Blossom's tonic and semi-sonic, like all the '90s, like alternative. Yeah. it's like all yes. combined. And with a little sprinkle of Weezer here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's the, they had the, they took the college rock sound and then put those distorted guitars on it. Like they're clearly a band, you know, one of those bands that like listen to Nirvana and that kind of thing. But I don't know. I'm such a sucker for for bands like Tonic and stuff like that. And Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> and Jimmy Eat World is one of my all time favorites. <laughs> and hearing, you know, get that with a little bit, of, a little tiny bit of like the Deftones distortion and stuff. It's just it was so cool. That sound. What do you guys think about this? I liked it a lot. I Like I said, it was it, it kind of like sounded just like your prototypical 90s alt rocks songs. Um, it was really weird because I didn't realize this band had formed in like 2014. I, I, these guys look a little older. And so I just assumed that they had been around forever thinking that they were from like the 90s because that's they just sound like they just were straight out of the 90s. Like one of those alternative bands you would hear on 89 <laughs> The One Wood bands. <laughs> I really did like the song Yellow Belly, Wasting Time. And, and my favorite is the title track, Earth is a Black Hole. It's by and far the best song, in my opinion. I, I agree. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's it's kind of buried at the end of the album. It's, it's track nine out of 10. Um, right. Yeah. It's just so, it was, it's so powerful. So fun. It was a yeah. real pleasant surprise at the end of the album. I have to admit like that was like, cause you know, the album's good. And then there's a little bit of times where they can kind of blend into each other, but they all have a unique sound. And it was just nice. Cause like, you're kind of listening to it, you're getting into it. And then all of a sudden earth is a black hole plays. I, that's one of the songs like it was playing. I was just like, wait, what's the name of this one? This is really good. And I like went out of my <laughs> yeah. way trying to make sure I knew what, what it was so I could talk about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. They do a great job of, I feel like, like there's certainly, yeah, there's certainly a consistent sound, but they have these tracks that they alternate between the, like the heavier ones and kind of the janglier ones. There's a couple of them towards the middle end that even get a little tiny bit electronic, which I thought was really interesting, or at least have like some bits in them. Yeah. And even the influence, like some of like, uh, I think it was yellow belly that, that to me was one of the ones, or maybe silver spoon that was like the most gin blossomy and earth as a black hole is a very Jimmy eat world. It's like a Jimmy yeah. eat world bleed America or futures era track, like hardcore. <laughs> and I say that as a compliment. <laughs> and so, yeah. And I even really enjoyed the uh, the intro song that just kind of has the title track in the song sporadically, and you know, it was, I'm glad you noticed that. It was a nice way to open up the album. <laughs> yeah, it really was, and so I appreciate what these guys were doing, and I feel like they're a band that we could relate to. I know when they were getting ready to put the album out, uh, Marshall, he said, "I quote." I feel like a lot of modern rock music is trying to be something between pop and hip hop. And that's not what we wanted to do at all. He said, we wanted to make, we wanted to make something big and aggressive that also had melody and immediacy. And I think that they hit that nail right on the head. And I I appreciate that because I fully agree that a lot of modern rock music is electronic pop music. (laughs) And so these guys were like, we're bringing back some sounds from, you know, our youth and it works. (laughs) We're hitting up that Rex Manning day. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Just just last week, we talked about Rex Manning day. Uh, Teenage Wrist sounds like a band that is highly influenced by the soundtrack to Empire Records. <laughs> <laughs> or if they if they remade Empire Records and because they remake everything, I'm going to make sure that I find those people and be like, hey, get Teenage Wrist in on this because they're perfect for you. <laughs> if only Teenage covered Say No More, More No More. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine that right now. <laughs> you know, if they remade the uh, Empire Records, it would be it would take place at like an Apple store or some shit. <laughs> Your download isn't ready. <laughs> the Apple store is the man <laughs> that, that the Empire. <laughs> yeah, that the Empire is battling. <laughs> well, there, there's no more. Uh, there's no more uh, Empire, I guess, than that. That's the case. That's a great point. That's 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 so that's so sad. The empire had fucking lost. <laughs> okay, you're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But yeah, I just I this album was one they released uh, four or five singles before the album came out, and I I appreciated each one to the point where like I was super familiar with them when the album itself dropped, and so yeah. some of those other songs 
at first to me they felt lower quality but with every listen a lot of like new emotion um high again the first couple listens i didn't dig them as much because i was so used to the others but every time i went through it i liked them more to where like i genuinely would say that on this 10 track album even including that intro that i i enjoy every single track personally i would still say that in like a vacuum uh the pretty reckless probably has the quote best album of the year because i feel like that album is very is just so well done with what she was going for and also i feel like it's a very important rock album yeah it hit all the marks yeah whereas this one's still a little more under the radar but for me personally this is my favorite album this is of the year so far this is the one that i will go back and listen to repeatedly the most yeah i don't really like putting numbers on albums until we actually do the countdown but uh yeah, I'm just throwing that out for comparison. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I enjoyed the whole album uh, as well, but specifically the last four tracks on the album, I really enjoyed. Uh, High Again, Wasting Time, Earth is a Black Hole, and Stella. Yeah, and, and I love that whenever um, an album can catch you at the end. It's, there's, we talked last season about the number of albums that we came across that felt very top heavy, and I don't think this one's top heavy. I may argue that its catchiest two songs are probably Taste of Gasoline and Earth is a Black Hole. And those are tracks two and nine. So yeah. they are like, we're going to get you coming and going on this one and you're going to enjoy it. So. So kudos to Teenage Wrist. And I'm definitely looking forward to hearing what they do next because it's this is their sophomore album. And it seems like they survived a massive band change very well. And, and plus, I'm just a sucker for two man bands. The last time we did one of these episodes, I did Local H, which is a two man band. And so here, here we go again. <laughs> What's weird about that, though, when you say that, is that if you watch your music videos, they yes, they do have two men uh, in the band, but like they have other additional people helping them play the music. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, they their music video. Um... It featured two people had masks on. So I'm guessing, obviously, that they're not part of the band. They're probably like the touring band, but it was just, I, I don't know, I just thought it was weird. It was definitely weird. Um, I think that was the Black Hole video. Is that the one where he, at one point, he's wearing this, like, big, weird, like, spike suit? <laughs> they're, they're like, playing in a white room, and the, the two guys with masks are pretty much off to the side, and it just focuses on the main two. Yeah. <laughs> so Marshall said that their first album... Uh, was more nostalgic and it was about growing up and kind of seeing the world the way it was. And this album is is more about trying to push through how the world is to something new and better. So with that, I'm going to pass it over to KC. Um, do you have another album for us that is new and better in some way? Um, it's it's new. I don't know that it's better, <laughs> but I guess uh, better. We just would have to put a comparison better than what but nonetheless it was a little bit of a sloppy segue but nonetheless what do you got for us <laughs> yes we got the foo fighters new album medicine at midnight yes and this is their 10th studio album if you can believe that i i do believe that actually <laughs> they've been around forever that's true and we've we've covered them uh in depth once before in our red white and foo episode as well i want to say that was episode eight but could be wrong yeah i feel like we kind of have a special connection to this band uh just because when we were doing our radio show we had a fan call in and say that he didn't like when we played the foo fighters so <laughs> we had to kind of defend it and then just say hat it doesn't matter screw you we're still playing it who has <laughs> to defend playing the foo fighters what's up with that like <laughs> come on some people didn't like it apparently yeah <laughs> So, Casey, how would you sell us on this album? Well, I would say that anytime the Foo Fighters make music, it's good. And so I always enjoy listening to their stuff. However, <laughs> this uh -oh. album, well, this album was kind of, I don't know if concept is a good word for it, but it, they definitely took a new direction with this album in particular because the like i don't know how many there were four or five i would i would just say a quartet of uh girls singing in the background of most of the tracks i don't know that it always fit but it was a choice and they went there <laughs> <laughs> 
well, that's one thing I've noticed that Dave has done uh, in the most recent years is he tries to make his band as large as possible. Like, I feel like every time I see them, they have more and more members. Added yeah. to the band. <laughs> it's like the Grateful Dead. Yeah. They're just going to be out on stage with 30 people at some point. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> playing a different weird ass instrument. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I can't I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but as I was listening to this, I felt like they were trying to lean into a like a specific sort of like nostalgic style somewhere in classic rock. But I don't I yes. couldn't like say, OK, it's this band or this exact era. Maybe you guys knowing more about that than I do could enlighten me a little bit as to what I'm hearing there. Well, I was tr- I was trying to do a little bit of research, you know, being that Dave is, you know, more or less a, a classic artist himself with Nirvana mm. and, and everything else over the years. But it, he was quoted as saying, as this was sort of like a David Bowie esque album, which I can kind of see now that he mentioned that, but it just, like I said, it, it took a little bit of a, a turn the way we're used to hearing the Foo Fighters. Mm. Yeah. You, you don't sound like you were sold on this. I actually love this album. Um, I'll be quite honest. Like I, I, this is one of my favorite albums from them in a long, long time. And I, I think what he means by David Bowie is I, I feel like it's ex- experimental in the sense that this is not a Foo Fighters sound. None yeah. of this, none of this sounds like their typical music. But one of the things I did like is it, it's very radio friendly. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Almost every single song could be a single uh, that would be a great single. I mean, there's a couple of them that are boring. Don't get me wrong. You know, chasing birds, but yeah, towards the end, it definitely falls <laughs> off. Yeah. Cloud spotters is just boring as well, but I thought that there was <laughs> a, a lot of great, great songs. And, and my favorite uh, was the title track medicine at midnight. Like it has one of the best guitar solos I think I've ever heard in a food fighter song. I, I, I literally was listening to it. It was like, is, is this Gary Clark Jr. playing this guitar? solo? like, <laughs> this, dude's got some, this dude's got some blues going on in this. Like, this is a great, it was a very bluesy song. Uh, I, I love medicine at midnight. It, it kind of like, and I think a lot of the album kind of had a, a blues type of feel to it. I, I wouldn't it say did. classic rock. It was more blues guitar to me. Yeah. It was, Maybe it was that's funk. what I was hearing. Yeah. Like, Kind of like Clapton influence almost, you know? Yeah. Oh, that that might be it. Yeah. Hmm. Although the one the one track that I wanted to mention for sure was track four, Waiting on a War, which I love the song, but it's times like these with a faster, more epic ending. <laughs> if you listen to the song, that's what it is. <laughs> When you're 10, 10 albums in, pff, you're going to have songs that sound the same. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah, you could probably pick out four songs out of their out of their discography that sounds almost just like Everlong, like, you know, the actual song itself. Yeah. <laughs> but I was yeah. listening to it. I was like, this is totally the, the riff and everything of times like these, the same same vocal styling. <laughs> but then the, the, but then the end happens. I'm like, OK, this song redeems itself. It's It's really awesome. <laughs> there we go. He he mentioned as I was reading, I'm reading up on a little bit kind of as we talk as well. Uh, and girl says that he was inspired by rock bands that make like upbeat, like kind of dance kind of records. Yeah. I would say that as Foo Fighters go, this is definitely their dance record. Yes. <laughs> it's just, it is. They do a lot of different rhythmic things and they kind of just play around almost would be, is how it feels to me. Like it's very loose and light. And so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's it's way way better than Concrete and Gold was. Like that that album <laughs> just was very lacking. Like it had a couple of decent tracks here and there, but it just was the whole album was very disjointed. Yeah, this album is very well. I think it's I feel like it's very well put together. It flows into itself. Um, there's there's a few tracks that are a little bit slower in odd places, but. Um, all in all, I think the whole album is is one of the best ones that they've put out in a long, long time. I, I'd say probably I don't even I can't even like tell you maybe since Wasting Light, like I, I, Wasting Light's probably my last favorite Foo Fighters album that they put out, which was a decade ago, mind you. Yeah, 2011. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to throw this out here and see what you guys think of it, of this thought. Um, one thing that I'm appreciating about the Foo Fighters is that they don't really try to be cool or like follow a trend. 
they they just seem to make things that they enjoy and i appreciate it that a band that does that like who knows if any of these tracks are gonna you know appeal to gen z or whatever but that's not their thing they're not chasing that radio play and they're gonna get the radio play anyway because they're the foo fighters they don't have to but it, yeah you can definitely to me i hear when i hear this album i'm immediately like these guys are having fun doing this and right. i say that yeah. hear me out on this one to me this album is fun for the foo fighters in the same way that the green day album was last year i feel like they're i feel yeah. like as i was listening to it there's a lot of similarities to me in like the vibe behind it not the sounds, totally different kind of songs. Right, but, right. Yeah. But they had a style. Yeah, it seems like a band who's like, here's what we're going to do for this, and it's going to be crazy fun. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and those are very veteran bands that don't really have to keep up with anything, or um, I'm sure there's pressure to sell records and whatnot still, but they've reached a point in their career where there's a lot of freedom. And so that was, I really liked this album for that reason. Um, cause I just, I enjoy hearing bands have fun and I totally felt like the Foo Fighters were doing that across this whole album. Yeah. So I like, you know, like I said, before we started talking about the Foo Fighters, I don't necessarily like to place bands, you know, number them right off the bat early in the year, but I like this album a lot. I, I would easily say with all the songs on it that out of, you know, as many songs as I like off of it, I can probably say that it'll be, it's definitely going to be on my top 20 might push for top 10. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. It, it might. One other small thing I wanted to bring up is um, the videos for shame, shame and waiting on a war. It starts off with like broken guitars, <laughs> which is kind of oh, okay. awkward. I don't know what the symbolism is behind, behind that, but it seems like a theme of some sort. What, uh, describe what you mean a little more the videos uh, they open with with a shot of just like some busted guitar so- somewhere or? yeah in in shame shame he's like laying laying in a field or not a field but on a hill and i think his electric guitar is broken and then oh i for- <laughs> waiting on a war is a similar uh thing as well there's just a broken guitar on the ground interesting I wonder what, yeah, I wonder what that's supposed to be about. I appreciate when there's some kind of like visual consistencies and throwbacks in videos. I'll have to look into that more, see if we can discern what's happening. All right. I have a question for you guys about the Foo Fighters. I want to get your take on this. So like thinking back over their whole discography, this is a band that's been around for 25 years, 26, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, do you think the Foo Fighters would be nearly as big if not for one Dave Grohl's massive likableness and also his history as part of Nirvana. Like, are they actually overall that special in terms of pure, pure musical quality or is it more their personality that, that keeps them from falling off the map? Like a lot of other bands from that era have. It's all, kind all of the above. all the above. Is that what yeah. Yeah. Well, here, here's what I would say with that. Um, I I think his success in Nirvana definitely helped. However, he, he went a completely different direction from Nirvana. So I feel like, mm. you know, hardcore fans of Nirvana may or may not be hardcore fans of Foo Fighters and vice versa. But um, I sure. feel I feel like like you said, the likableness of Dave Grohl and just the, the amount of good music that he puts out in general, I think it would, it would, we would still be where we are now, despite. You know, I I think the reason why I said all the above is because, I mean, there's no doubt that, that not just Dave Grohl, but all the Foo Fighters have likability. I mean, from their very first music video, big me, like it was hilarious. They were making fun of Mentos, which the which was a huge popular commercial around that time. Yeah, and yeah. they're you know they had the, the candy called Futos, and and they're completely ripping it <laughs> off. And so it, it was it was good to see Dave get away from Nirvana because it was more uh, the lighthearted side of him. And I think that mm-hmm. with him having more fun playing the music, it just ended up being better, or at least to me, in my opinion. Um. And I think I think because of that, yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, I think that they are. There's definitely great music that that um, 
you know, we would be, I would be devastated if I never, you know, had never existed like Everlong and, and Monkey Wrench and, and all kinds of, uh, you know, learning to fly like the, the, their song. They have such amazing songs and they continue to put out great music that, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's both to be honest. I'm going to kind of take it a, a slightly different direction as well, but I just, this is a question that popped into my head. Do you think that Nirvana would take on a different, um, appeal if Dave Grohl was the front man as opposed to Kurt? Oh yeah. It would be completely different. I mean, the reason why Nirvana was the way they were was because of uh, Kurt's kind of, you know, depression and, and all the, uh, the way he felt about, uh, commercialism and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's no doubt that they would, would have been completely, cause I think that Dave Grohl didn't really care about commercialism he he would have probably sold out way quicker than Cobain. <laughs> yeah that's true i think i think um so like if from the, if from the start um girl was the leader of nirvana is that kind of what you're hypothesizing yeah this what yeah, if situation yeah. yeah if he was the front man versus yeah yeah i don't think they would have been any i don't think anybody would really remember him that much to be honest i think at that time there was something that worked for nirvana which was the three different personalities of, of Kurt, Chris and Dave, um, which, you know, Chris was this like tall, giant goofball. And then, and then Kurt was sort of like the anti establishment guy. And then Dave actually at that point was kind of the shy, quiet one, comparatively speaking, he just had a goofy face. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. <laughs> where Kurt, where Grohl, especially I'd say more and more as he's gotten older is just so genuinely likable. Uh, Kurt had like mystique. He was mysterious and very interesting. People always wanted to know more about him. And I think that that drove a lot of Nirvana yeah. and also his pain as Dan kind of, kind of alluded right. to. Right. So right. I, I don't know. I don't think they would have been half as big a deal. Kurt, Kurt really was that vital. I think to that band. Yeah. Last question. Okay. Uh, so do you think that both of them would have been able to be successful at the same time. Do you think Nirvana would have been able to success been successful at the same time as Foo Fighters? Or do you think that if Foo Fighters had taken off and, you know, obviously Kurt was still alive, do you think that Dave ended up, would have ended up leaving Nirvana at some point? Hmm. Probably. I think so. Cause I don't know if leave entirely is a thing, but he was definitely already working on Foo Fighters before Kurt passed away yeah i think we hypothesized about this once last year on an episode but um i think they would have been successful at the same time but i don't think it would have been nirvana and foo fighters i think it would have been cobain solo and foo fighters i think that cobain would have split off and done his own thing and then girl would have went all in on foo fighters and they both would have been out there doing good stuff that's my hypothesis i like playing what if games about rock history (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, especially when somebody passes away like that and you just never know what could have been. It's, yeah. it's always what could have been, yeah. It's a good point. Well, <laughs> speaking of long-tenured bands, we oh have gosh. one more. <laughs> yeah, this dude's been doing it for 30 years now. Uh, Rob <laughs> Zombie with his new album, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, The Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. Um, I will say that I love the album. Uh, there's, there, there's a lot of criticism that I, I understand why he is getting for this album. Um, <laughs> but I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's classic Rob Zombie. Like it's exactly what I would have expected if like he, you know, if this album had come out right after Hellbilly Deluxe or, uh, the Sinister Urge, like this sounds like classic zombie. I will say though, that I think he spent uh longer naming the tracks and naming the album uh <laughs> than he may have writing it <laughs> when casey said long tenured band or long tenured artist the my my first immediate thought was also long album titled artist yes <laughs> he has been on a kick the last three albums i don't understand it <laughs> Um, this most recent album, as I said, the Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. The oh, album yeah. Before that, yeah, exactly. The <laughs> album before that, the Electric Warlock Acid Witch Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser. Dispenser uh, is really the word that throws me off in there, weirdly enough. 
and I tried to like spell it out. Like, is this a acronym for something? I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, and then before that, venomous rat regeneration vendor. It's all code. I, I get it's. I feel like it's the code words to uh, you know activate the Winter Soldier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's a it, it's a code it's a code in one of his horror films that he hasn't released yet. <laughs> something like that. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it starts off. There's I, and I, I also they, I will say that there's a lot of filler, but that's to be expected in a zombie album. Like, there's a reason why it's 17 tracks, and it's because half of it is just. It's just filler. It's introduction music. He that's he's always had that on his uh, on his albums. Yeah. Before you before you go too far into that, can I say that for once I actually enjoy filler on this on yeah. this album because all of the filler tracks are just weird like stylings that typical Rob Zombie music normally doesn't do, and I kind of wanted him to like sing like not just do his typical voice style, but like actually do some vocal harmony type singing. And he, (laughs) he never does. So that's, that's interesting, but it's typical of Rob Zombie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially as he gets older, I I can imagine he's probably going to do less and less harmony as he gets older. Yeah. It starts off with an, with an introduction song um, and then goes into the triumph of King freak a crypt of preservation and superstition. Also the first single off the album. And I mean, just as soon as that starts and you hear that, that John five guitar riff, uh, you know, it's a zombie album and and John five, the dude is just fucking amazing. Like he has been doing this for years. He can do anything. And this album proves that there's a song that sounds like a country song. uh, 18th (laughs) century. Let me, let me go ahead and say the whole uh, song name. So track seven, (laughs) <laughs> is a it's like a country song it's a, a country rob zombie song called 18th century cannibals excitable morlocks and a one-way ticket on the ghost train and i mean every song on this album but these particular songs just show the versatility and the amazingness of john five and his guitar skills uh, he, like the way he just fingers the guitar on, on uh on track seven like it, it's just amazing what he can do and he's he's renowned as one of the greatest guitarists of all time but this this album like is just it just shows like his his pen it's like almost a pinnacle like it shows his versatility he he can do anything he's did some great riffs there's some fantastic solos on this album um and then there's just stuff that you wouldn't expect with like the country song and and just the the country riff and the twang from from John Five it's just not something you would ever expect the country song was kind of hilarious to me because the way rob sang it was kind of in the stylings of les claypool with winona's big brown beaver I, and it's <laughs> funny that you mentioned that because there's a lot of songs that i felt like almost had like a les claypool influence to them like, yeah you know there's i think the ballad of sleazy rider there's like a couple of parts yeah. in the shadow of cemetery man there's like a couple of parts where it just feels like les claypool could have had some in, yeah. you know, interjection to in, or, or some influence on these songs. Um, but yeah, I absolutely mm. love this album. John five is just absolutely amazing. And, and there he's the absolute reason why this, this album's great. Like it, it, I will say that, you know, the criticism is understandable. Like Rolling Stone basically said that he just offers the same disco metal dreck. He's been peddling for 30 years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that's what you, I mean, when you get a Rob zombie, that's what you fucking expect. Like you're not, going to hear oh i want to hear something different let's let's hope he sounds like foo fighters this time like (laughs) (laughs) if i get a zombie album i want him to sound like zombie that's point blank like i don't know what they mean by that like so i don't understand why they would criticize you know critical of yeah i I do get that that, yes it doesn't sound like you know he's morphed his song and, and that's even kind of what i said it sounds like this album could be interjected right after like the sinister urge came out um it, it sounds just like that kind of sound but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I think that that's him just being zombie and doing his thing. Right. And that's, that's one thing that I kind of, like I said, with the filler tracks, they kind of hit up tons of different genres. So it, it was, it was interesting to hear, hear all of those things, but it just, it kind of left me wanting a little more, but <laughs> <laughs> I think with something like this, um, really it just depends on, how your mileage is for the sound when you get a, an artist that you know goes on for 
years and years and doesn't really change it up too much. Um, you know, if that's a sound that you dig and they're doing it well, then yeah, you probably are still going to like what they come out with. If, you know, if you've, if you've evolved in your taste or if you feel like they're just repeating, like literally repeating themselves, then I could see why you wouldn't like it very much. But that's a fine line too, because you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't when it comes to changing your sound. Because if, you know, if you change too much, then, oh man, they were only good at the beginning, their first three albums or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't change at all, they're like, oh, they're boring. They never evolve. So you got, (laughs) it's tough to find that middle ground. You haven't changed in 30 years, Rob. What the hell? <laughs> right. He's like, you haven't changed your clothes in 30 years, Rob. But <laughs> I haven't shaved in 30 years either. He's the dirtiest looking rock star. I'm pretty sure he rolls in mud before he before he shows up in public. He's just great at, at makeup. Uh, he is great at makeup. But, you know, the other thing that is very prominent on this album is the dude loves women. There is no doubt about it. He <laughs> loves his women. I mean, rightfully so. When you're married to Sherry Moon Zombie, fuck yeah, I'd be all about singing, you know, about how great they are too. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and he's been singing yeah, about that for 30 years too. I, uh, whenever, exactly. I hear, whenever I think because about Rob Zombie. he's been married to her for so yeah. freaking long. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I think of if you mention Rob Zombie is actually, is actually White Zombie is um, more human than human. And um, there's some stuff in there that definitely alludes to how much he he's about the ladies. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's Sherry Moon Zombie making those sounds. I'm almost probably, positive. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I know that she's the one in like uh, Dragula and Living Dead Girl. Right. And she was in the music videos for those. I will yeah. say, I will say for a zombie, um, I've it's interesting because there's a part of me that just loves like industrial kind of sounds. We've talked before about how how much I enjoy Static X and how contrary that is to a lot of the other bands that I appreciate. Zombie, I never quite developed as much of an affinity for, but I do appreciate that way that he's sort of that he can somehow weirdly meld being like a backwoods hillbilly and like <laughs> and like an industrial like electronic metal guy. Somehow he puts those into one thing, and it's a, such a bizarre combination. But I do think it makes him fairly unique. Yeah. Um, I've just never been that much of a fan of like how far he is into like, like slasher. There's his films and stuff like that stuff never really appealed to me. Um, he just he goes too far in some directions that that I think are just <laughs> I'm not that comfortable with. <laughs> that's that's my personal taste on that. But I appreciate the the vibe in general. A lot of times they're too real. They're too. They're too, to me one of the reasons why his movies really mess with me is because they just are too close to reality yeah uh like i will like i'm not a fan of horror movies at all but like i will say the house of thousand corpses the first time i saw that that movie generally freaked me the hell out because i mean (laughs) you were a grown man by the way yeah you were you were not a child when the movie came out yeah (laughs) yeah i mean so i mean it's just it was an incredible take on on like the texas chainsaw massacre kind of situation yeah uh but it's, it, I mean, it's those types of situations that, that can happen. And there's crazy ass people out there in the world like that. And so I was just like, it's just, it's too close to home almost. Like, that's, that's why, that's why, yeah, but I mean, he, he does a great job of, of painting characters and, and, and building his movies and, and using the music to build suspense. Like he, his movies are fantastic. And I think that that's one reason why I've appreciated him more because he's just becoming more and more of an artist everything he does. It's not, it's not just music. It's, it's the movies. It's, it's musical soundtracks. It's, it's everything he does is just amazing. Yeah. And his live shows are fantastic too. Like we, we, we talked about event sevenfold having amazing live shows. Like he's, he's got a very great rock theatrical show. He would have to, cause you know, he comes out of, he, he's, he still sort of comes out of that shock rock, vein in some degree or another he's a guy who tours with manson and does halloween stuff and that's you know <laughs> uh oh dan just discovered something amazing i did do you know what zombie did before the success of white zombie do you know what rob zombie did known as robert bartlett cummings <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not i don't know he was a production assistant for the television series Pee Wee's Playhouse. That's right. <laughs> I, That's, how do you go from Pee Wee's Playhouse 
to white zombie. Like that wow. is crazy. Now, this bodes the question. Can you imagine if Rob Zombie were given free reign to make his own Pee Wee's Playhouse, how jacked up that would be? <laughs> like if he was full control over it. Well, he kind of already has in like cartoons and stuff that he's done. Probably. Yeah. Yep. That would be jacked up. <laughs> also, I want to note that that with what you guys were saying earlier, I'm very intrigued now. I want to see a collaboration between Rob Zombie and Les Claypool. Yeah. I think that they need to get together. I don't, it would just be fantastic. There's something about their bizarre vibes that I think would mesh so perfectly. <laughs> I have to agree. It would be a match made in heaven. It really wow. would. We need, we're going to tweet at them and make this happen. Yes. <laughs> That's how Steve, we do it. <laughs> this is where we need that influence again. That's right. <laughs> Oh boy, that's that's great. Speaking of very interesting characters, uh, people with unique singing styles and storytelling ability, Serge Tankian of System of a Down released an EP on March 19th called Elasticity, and it is also worth talking about. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to spend a couple minutes in talking about it. It's very short. It's a five-track EP, uh, and the whole reason this EP came about was because a few years back when they talked about getting back together a system of a down, uh, he, he decided to set some songs aside and arrange them in a quote, a rock purpose, a rock format for that purpose. Uh, but as they weren't able to see eye to eye on the vision going forward with the, with a brand new system of a down album, he decided to just go ahead and release those songs under his own moniker. Uh, and you can definitely tell there's a couple of them that sound like they were written for a system of a down, but I, I would, I would have to disagree with his quote rock format. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I definitely would agree with you there. I could 100% hear, like, I think it's what you just said, a, a number of these as system songs. I don't think they're quite system songs where they're at right now, but hence them not, since them literally not being system songs, you can only go so far with one of the guys making them himself. But yeah, I'm with you. I could totally feel where he was trying to go. And um, what's interesting is that I would have said, you know, a year ago, I would have said, yeah, put out anything that you think is system ish because we're never going to get real system again. And then we got a little tiny <laughs> bit of real system again. <laughs> and so now I'm wondering, like, I wonder if he brought these songs to the table when they were recording those and they were, if, or or not maybe they only intended to write those very specific two tracks or maybe these you know got rejected maybe he had already recorded them before they even did those systems i don't know i think it, i don't know it's a lot of them he did i think already recorded yeah uh, elasticity definitely was because they f <laughs> they filmed that video <laughs> way before the pandemic times because oh wow uh, there were <laughs> there's a ton of people in that video <laughs> yeah they're I'll all sitting they're all sitting close together in chairs too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that that for me and and you guys have listened to this individual the system solo stuff a lot more I think than I have but I would say that this probably feels about as close to System of a Down as probably anything I've heard from the end of the solo efforts. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree with that because it, as he first started with uh his solo stuff he, you know, it still kind of had a little bit of the system sound, rem, you know, a little reminiscence of, of their sound. But the further he went into a solo career, he definitely got away from that sound and, and started doing his own kind of thing that I wouldn't really consider rock music. I mean, it's it's not bad music. It's just not rock music. Serge is, is another one of those guys that he I mean, system was already pretty experimental for a metal band. They were they were weird, very the time signatures and the yelping and stuff, all this stuff. But he also is a dude who has moved into a lot of like film work scoring and stuff like that. And so I think that you're going to get some of that vibe in other stuff that he does. If that makes yeah. sense. Gonna yeah. get some like, I don't know, maybe if you call it like cinematic kind of stuff or something, but. Well, the one, th one thing on the EP, the one track that definitely stood out when in our text chain, when you, <laughs> text about the your mom song yes and instantly i was like well the lyrics to this should be great <laughs> right it's called your mom right it's naturally going to be wonderful right uh 
I will have to say that knowing what we know now about the political differences with System of a Down, I'm curious if this song had a something to do with that rift or maybe <laughs> like start with that rift. Maybe he's singing about John's mom. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But but we mentioned this to each other. It's definitely interesting hearing a song in 2021 that has the word retarded twice in two separate lines that repeat over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is, especially from yeah. somebody like Serge who consider, I would at least consider very politically correct. Yeah, I mean, and not that he dis not not that he used the word incorrectly because both times that he uses it, it's a correct terminology, but it's just really strange in today's world. Yeah, that's how I feel. I I get what he's going for, and um, but it, it, that word at this point is one of those things that like it's gonna make you cringe just a little bit to hear it. It should anyway. Even if used appropriately, because you're at this. And frankly, I'm so used to hearing it used derogatorily or offensively that even hearing it in a different context, it just feels wrong a little bit. Um, But I don't know. Maybe we should give him some credit for for boldness of being willing to choose (laughs) that word. I don't don't know. I'm not really I still haven't figured out what to think about it. (laughs) He's bringing it back. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know that that word needs (laughs) redeemed in that sense, but (laughs) I don't think, yeah. <laughs> but, but that aside, I, I will say that your mom is definitely the most system song that's come out since yeah. since 2005. Uh, I mean, the lyrics are right on point. They they sound like a straight system song, and and the music is is there as well. And I absolutely love this song. I I, I <laughs> the first time I heard it, for one, I laughed my ass off, um, and then I made my wife listen to it. Um, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I was like, you got to listen to it. This is funny. Now that we have an agreement with your mom against the riches from the far right, let's help your mom wrong the right and give her the green light. Let your mom in and watch her wipe them out. Like, I love that. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is one of the, yeah, this is one of those ones that, um, really hits really well. The system of a down balance of social commentary and weirdness, uh, (laughs) where they managed to take, goofy sounding lyrics but also say something that has some depth to it you using those words in those terms and so kudos kudos to Serge for writing your mom (laughs) (laughs) as far as the sound and all of this thing i don't know that this ep i don't i don't know that i would want to listen to a full album of stuff that was right in this vein but i did enjoy this i've said probably i would enjoyed every song of these five as they are like, I think this is a solid EP right here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's it. I, I think that some of the tracks probably could have been better with maybe Darren or Shavo or John's influence, mm-hmm. like how many times an electric gear van. I think roomy was actually just a really pretty song as it is. I, I will it say is. that um, it's kind of funny in, in my opinion, you know, being a dad, like I, it's a, it's a great song that I'm, glad that he you know put together and felt that inspired to sing for his son but like if me personally like i would have felt like i was embarrassing my son with that with that song not not that it's a a bad song it's just like it's it's very mushy like right yeah hubby tubby like it's 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 a nice warm hug yeah it's a sappy song (laughs) Um, very sentimental and so like, yeah, maybe as he's younger, it's probably appropriate. But like, as the kid goes to high school and he's like, oh, you're roomy. Doesn't your say your dad still sing about you? Ooh. Like, <laughs> poor I'm like, my dad is Serge Tankian. So shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> your mom. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be like, yeah. You know what else? Your mom. That's <laughs> go listen to the EP. <laughs> But that, I mean, that's that's what I thought. I was like, it's a great song. It's really pretty. But like, I don't know. I, as, as if that was written about me and that was my dad that wrote it, I'd be a little bit embarrassed. Like, God, Dad, you're you had to be so mushy about it. Like, I love you too, God. Jeez, like, no need to think about <laughs> what, it. What would what would your so- song to your sons be be like? The the song nothing more did uh, called fade uh, in fade out. Fade in fade out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have not actually heard this track. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna make it happen after song. this episode. <laughs> or one of the things that I've been reading to my son all the time is "Oh, the Places You'll Go" by Dr. Seuss. Like it's just 
right on point. Like it's it's the best worldly advice you could ever give somebody. Don't believe me? Read it. I dig it. I dig it. See, I thought you were going to say it was going to be a song like, stop killing your brother and go to sleep. I'm tired of your crap today. <laughs> don't, hit, don't hit him with that. Put that down. Yeah. Put it down. <laughs> go to the corner. <laughs> that's you got to love each other. That's, that's <laughs> Dean in the corner. <laughs> light. That's that's me in time out losing my privileges. <laughs> wow! So apparently, apparently Dan's dad song is REM. <laughs> Just didn't know that was going to go there. But <laughs> Works out. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for this rock roundup. And um, man, so that's that's four pieces of work that we as the itch are going to collectively approve and say that if you have not heard them yet you should definitely and if yes. we have missed any other albums that have come out this year i know we have there's just honestly not time to talk about everything but if there are any other releases that have come out that you would like to get our take on by all means let us know i think that these roundups are going to be a regular thing every however many months we feel appropriate um so we'll probably have another one coming up not too distant future because there's so dang much music coming out <laughs> yeah that and especially if we have more interviews on the horizon. That's right. That's right. We're working on that. All right. This has been good, guys. Let's wrap this sucker up. Thank you very much for listening to the Itch Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail and itchrocks.com, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Stop killing your brother and go to sleep. I'm tired of your crap today.